Good morning. It is Tuesday. Great to have you along with us. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial, 103.9 FM in the greater Concord area, 101.9 FM, our big booming signal into Manchester and beyond, and around the clock, streaming 24 hours a day at nhtalkradio.com. We are going to have a great program today, ladies and gentlemen, because... Not only did the Red Sox win last night 3-1 to one over the Indians, snapping their miserable uh, five-game losing streak, but we have the Honorable Tim Lang in studio today. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Ken. How are we doing this morning? Great, great news on the Red Sox. That was uh, there you go. phenomenal. It was about time, but uh, they beat the Cleveland Guardians... <laughs> the, the former Indians. I think Dave O'Brien on TV slipped once last night, which was good. I, I'm sure I would have slipped a lot more than that. But uh, he said Indians once, I, I believe, during the time I was uh, watching that telecast last night. But you know what? I think they should have been, Tim, because Cleveland, of course, is the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I think they should have been the Cleveland Rockers. Ah, very, very yeah. nice. The, uh, that would have been a great, great little play there. Yeah, I, I think so. And they could have done a lot with their uniform. Well, you know, let's go back for a second. First of all, I, I, I think they still should be the Indians. I mean, I don't think there's any reason for getting rid of that nickname. But with the Rockers, they could have done a lot of things with their uniform, musical notes and guitars and what have you. And it, could have been great. Absolutely. It would have been really nice. There's a lot of ways they could have went with that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you know a lot about that stuff, hanging around the music business for as long <laughs> as you have. Uh, my goodness, you saw fish the other night, huh? I did. Actually, I think that was my third show of fish. I've been really? tra- While they're in New England, I've been traveling with them doing uh, some tech work. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in some of the places you, you go and the, and the concerts you see are amazing. So, I, what, what exactly do you do? Uh, so I'm a, I, I'm a regional technologist for a company called yeah. Live Nation that owns yeah. a lot of the amphitheaters around. Sure. So uh, yeah. I cover the entire Northeast. So when there's a large sellout crowd and, you know, I like to say, but my job is I make sure they can scan your ticket and sell you beer. If that works, then I did my job right. Well, that's the bottom line, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that definitely is the bottom line. The tickets and the beer but uh, no that 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 is great and do you get to see the show as well i can yeah, yeah. I, I hang around we get to see the show i think yeah. uh, last year i did 62 concerts uh during wow. the summer this year i'm shooting around 75 wow so getting ready to go up to toronto later this week for six days i've got three big shows going on up there so i'm going to help at the budweiser stage wow so who is up there <laughs> No idea. No idea. You, you just show up and, show you know, up. yeah. <laughs> do my job, do what I'm supposed to do, and if I happen to catch a show, that's great. Well, I, I know you do a lot of work at uh, at Meadowbrook, uh, and uh, I know Luke Bryan's going to be there for the next three nights. Uh, what is it? Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I think. Huh? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll be there yeah. for the Wednesday show to yeah. make sure that kicks off and goes well, and then I'll be Thursday in the car heading to Toronto. Well, you're you're a fascinating guy, and uh, I called you the Honorable Tim, Tim Lang because that's true. Uh, you're a member of the uh, legislature, the uh, House of Representatives uh, here in New Hampshire. How long have you been doing that, Tim? So this is my third term. I've yeah. uh, served on uh, House. I'm the chairman of the House Fish and Game Committee this year. Wow. 
Yeah. So how is fishing game these days? Fishing game is great. Yeah. I, I have to be honest with you. It was, well, I'm a hunter and a fisherman. I do like to go. I like yeah. to also joke that, you know, I own guns and I hunt and stuff, but I don't own a whole lot of camo, right? Mm-hmm. So I go out and I enjoy hunting, but I'm not fanatical about it. If I miss first day of hunting season, I'm not too worried about it. I'll All get right. out the second day. Yeah. Um, but fishing game's been great. You know, I got, we, you know, one of the lower bill count uh, committees. We don't have a whole lot of bills, but um, what I was surprised about, we had a really good bipartisan an effort in, in, that, in that, that committee. You know, we got along. We didn't have shouting at each other and, you know, and making political stands. And, you know, uh, so it went really well. I, I thought the committee went really well. Yeah. And uh, how is the, the moose population these days? That's of concern to a, a lot of people. So I just attended the um, Fishing Game Commission meeting uh, up in, they had it at Belknap Sportsman Club up in Laconia. And we were talking about the fact that the, the license count is down, right? So they're only mm-hmm. issuing lotteries. It used to be over 100. We're down in the 70s now because yeah. of the moose population, the concerns. Yeah. Um, there's a big study underway by UNH uh, using trail cams. They'll be putting out over 250 trail cams across the state to try to monitor the moose population and try to get a more accurate count of both moose and small game. I went up to uh, Pittsburgh recently, Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, to see if I could, uh, you know, locate a moose. And I, I was there for a couple hours. Couldn't do it in Pittsburgh, of all places. But I, I know the count is down, and uh, it, it's certainly of concern. And I, I remember, you know, as you mentioned, they used to give out uh, a lot more uh, moose hunting licenses than they do now. So that uh, that has dropped uh, as well. As, as somebody who used to broadcast the moose lottery, <laughs> uh, the incomparable Peter St. James and I used to uh, do the, the do the moose lottery. At uh, at Fish and Game headquarters, it was a huge deal. It was. It, it is was a still. huge deal. Yeah, it, it still is. But we we went in there. We we broadcast the lottery for for a few years. Tim Lang is with us, and Tim, as we mentioned, is in the House of Representatives uh, now. But you're you're seeking a higher office. Well, there'll be some in the house that say it's not exactly a higher uh, op. It's well, just an office on uh, the other side of the wall. Okay, is what yeah. they're looking for. But yes, I'm running for state senator uh, for Bel- uh, for District 2, which uh, – has changed dramatically with the redistricting. So uh, new new, uh, new district, um, more centrally located towards the Lakes region area. Um, and yes, I announced back in March or April, I guess it was, maybe May, uh, that I'd be running for uh, state senator as our sitting senator is retiring. So uh, how is the campaign going? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different. You know, it's Sambert and Tilton, which is where I'm currently uh, the state representative for. I've been in that town for I don't know, 30, 40 years, something like that. Um, long time. I hate to age myself. But, um, yeah, it's been going well. Now I got 12 towns. So I was up yesterday up in Sandwich, uh, New Hampshire, uh, visiting the fine people up there. Stopped in the fire department, the police department. We have a nice little cafe right downtown called the Foothills. Um, so, yeah, getting out, meeting people. Uh, it's going to be a, a good campaign. Uh, well, that is good to hear. I, I see you're putting up signs all over the district. So that that's a good thing. So if you want a, a Tim Lang lawn sign, uh, it can be arranged. It can, it can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so that's a good thing and all, all part of the campaign. What are you hearing uh, from people in, in the, the district you would like to represent uh, as a senator? Well, uh, well, 
we'll put aside the big topic in Belknap County right now, which is gun stock. Yeah. Uh, that is that is on everyone's mind sure, right now. Yeah. And everybody's talking about yeah. it. Uh, we'll put that aside for now. We'll maybe pick that up later if you want. But, you know, again, it goes back to the inflation is an issue. Economy, people are concerned about what's going on in our economy. Uh, taxes uh, always is, is almost the number one list. You know, local property tax costs, state property tax costs. Um, so, you know, property taxes, education, as always, people care about their children. And they're sure. concerned. They want to make sure that uh, their kids are getting a good education um you know it's the typical so not everyone still has the same basic concerns we have a little uniqueism up in belknap with, with gun stock where that's the number one thing probably number one number two and number three thing that people are talking about and then falls into taxation and and uh education well uh, Tim has accomplished a lot in the uh, in the House of Representatives, and uh, one one of the things that uh, stand out to me is that uh, you're you're the guy who was the driving force to legalize sports gaming here in the state of New Hampshire. Yes, House Bill 480. We uh, in 2019 that was uh, signed into law by Governor Sununu, and uh, we uh, we in December we opened we took our first bet down in Manchester. We were able to place it um, on the new app. And yeah, it's been great. Uh, this year, we're just the year we just finished up. Twenty-four million dollars going to education due to that that bill passing. Twenty-four million dollars. Oh, that that is something. And uh, and really, I, I think uh, you know the word has spread pretty well. I mean, DraftKings does a, a, a very good job in marketing, uh, but I, I think uh, it's really just the infancy uh, of it. Really. $24 million. That is great, but I think there's more to come in uh, the future. I definitely agree. I think, again, people are, uh, they enjoy it. Uh, it's a, I always happen to be my first NASCAR event, and, and of course, in the DraftKings app, you can bet on a car that's going to yep. win in a NASCAR event. So, again, it, it goes across a lot of, lot of different uh, people, um, and we're seeing, again, we, uh, we just also did a Kino bill. Uh, that we're going to expand a little bit and allow Kino into some retail areas that have allowed uh, that where those jurisdictions that have approved Kino will let them the stores sell Kino as well. It's going to add another six million dollars to education, is the estimate. Wow, and that's good. So I mean, you could walk in where Kino is legal in this state, and one one of the places it's not legal is where we're sitting right now <laughs> in Concord. It's not legal in Concord. You can walk across the street to, to Bow, and uh, you can you can do it there, and you can do it in Pembroke, but you can't do it in Concord, Tim. <laughs> Tim Lang is with us. We have to take a quick break here. We have just scratched the surface of our conversation with the Honorable Tim Lang here today, running for the state senate. We'll take a break here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 on the FM dial, 1019 in the Manchester area and beyond, and streaming around the clock. You can take us with you wherever you travel at nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, the signal that's been around for about 76 years, longer than me, just just by a little bit anyway, 103.9 FM in the Concord area, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and nhtalkradio.com, streaming around the clock where you can find past episodes of this program and all the other great programming here on uh, WKXL, including the afternoon programming we have from uh, Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes. 
But uh, with us right now, live in studio on this award-winning radio program is Tim Lang, the Honorable Tim Lang from San Martin, which he calls his hometown. I know I, I saw on a Facebook post recently how many places you lived in your youth. <laughs> and, uh, boy, you, you got around, huh? Uh, my parents were a little bit of gypsies. They uh, didn't mind uh, moving around. So, yeah, in New Hampshire, born in New Jersey, and then moved into Hampshire. And then from there we went all over the place, North Carolina, Alaska, California, um, all, over the, all over the place. Some uh, places we visited twice. Lived in Alaska, left Alaska, went back to Alaska. So yeah. Twice? Yeah. Two stints in Alaska, <laughs> huh? How, how was I've never been to Alaska. How how uh, did you enjoy living there? Well, I was young, so yeah. you know you, yeah. you have a different mindset back sure, then. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, I uh, I very much enjoyed living up there. You have to be an outdoorsman. You have to be enjoy yeah. skiing at Alaska Ski Resort. I spent a lot of time up there. Um, and then uh, you know the joke about Alaska is Anchorage. There's one road north and one road south, and the road south's a dead end. <laughs> so you know it's, it's an interesting place to yep. live. It's a, yeah. a little bit a little bit different, but I loved it up there. Uh, yeah. Great place. Yeah, I'll bet. And you lived in all different kinds of uh, places, all different kinds of climates and, and what have you as a kid. That had to be a great experience. I mean, I, I know it's tough to, to move from place to place and change schools all the time and that sort of thing, but it had to be a great experience. It was. It was. I, I tell my kids, I got four kids, yeah. and I tell them all, like, hey, uh, you know, I'm glad we all had, you had one house to live in uh, growing up, but, you know, hey, as an adult, live, move into the four corners of the United States, get around, see people, see the diversity of the United States. It's incredible. And, and, the, and people are different, right? So, where you see you meet different type of people one of the i drove cross country and i was in nebraska my car broke down and the people in nebraska were so accommodating i stopped and and at this at this gas station the guy said oh it's gonna take me a couple hours i'm like oh, is there a restaurant somewhere he goes yeah right down the street down here you can go and so i went to the restaurant had sat there for a few hours drinking coffee and having breakfast and stuff i come back outside my car is sitting in front of the restaurant with the key in the ignition um, wow! They had, they had <laughs> drove it over, dropped it off. Wow. And the mechanic had walked back, left the bill on the uh, on the seat that I had to go back and pay. I hadn't yeah. even paid. I could have drove off anyway, right? But just the trusting nature of yeah, people right, in the United right. States yeah. and the Midwest was incredible. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. As we we touched on in the the opening segment, one of the uh, current issues uh, in in your area right now is the closure of uh, Gunstock Mountain Resort. And uh, the, you know, the, I guess, surprise closure. And, uh, you know, it, it really came for a lot of people out of nowhere. You know, when we heard that Gunstock was closing, management had, had resigned uh, right in the middle of summer when they're very busy uh, at, uh, at Gunstock, as they are in the winter as well. So I think a lot of people are, are confused about what's happening there or what isn't happening right now. Uh, what is going on? Well, as people uh, people may know, the uh, Gunstock, the uh, the seven top uh, executive staff resigned uh, yesterday. There was another five, I believe, middle managers that resigned, um, and so it, it, I, I view it as it comes back to it's a clash between the executive staff and the um, Gunstock Area Commission. Um, you know, it's probably epitomized by the exchange between President Day, uh, who was the general manager and president of the Gunstock. And uh, Dr. Strang, who was a member of the Gunstock Air Commission that occurred in June, when Dr. Strang asked um, uh, Mr. Day, who runs Gunstock Mountain? And Mr. Day said, I run Gunstock Mountain. And the return response was, no, you don't. We run Gunstock Mountain. And so it became a conflict like that between the Gunstock Air Commission and the 
and the management and the management felt disrespected and you know they've risen to the level of professionalism where they expect respect for their knowledge and industry knowledge and what what they do gunstock just had its best year ever in its history mm. 7.5 million dollars wow. of cash sitting in the bank they don't have to ask for uh, uh, what's called a ran they don't have to do that they have enough cash to get through the season uh, great great efforts and they just felt they were being disrespected and again as you rise to certain levels in professionalism you don't mind being criticized but you do mind being disrespected and uh, well what you just said was uh, an indication of the economic driver it is in in that area uh, in in Belknap County but uh, not only there but uh, throughout the state it has a, a trickle-down effect throughout the state of New Hampshire the closure is definitely a problem again I've, I've been taking phone calls from small businesses uh, even just regular citizens who are concerned like last year it returned I think it was three hundred seventy five thousand dollars to the tax rolls mm. to to offset local property tax and what longer and that's a per, based on a percentage of its revenue so as revenues driven down in gun stock that means less money for taxation we're going to have to cut spending or we're going to have to raise taxes. Those are your only two choices um, if we can't get this thing back open. And, uh, you know, right now the Belknap County delegation is in adjournment, but uh, uh, you would like to see a special session. So Representative Juli- uh, Har- uh, Juliet Harvey-Bullia and I, were, which represent Belknap 3, Tilton Samberton, uh, put a request into the chair to have a meeting of the delegation. We, have, we need to understand uh, for the citizens what the plan is and maybe help with this plan moving it forward to make sure that we can get gun stock open again. Uh, it's, having, it's having some significant negative economic impact being closed in Belknap County, people canceling room, room reservations, sure. that kind of thing. Yeah. I saw in the paper this morning, though, there's some camping still going on at Gunstock. They did leave the campground open. So we have some seasonal camping up there and we have some drop-in camping and the campground is still open, although... The, the manager of the campground resigned yesterday. Oh, really? And oh, So um, the, there are people stepping up to do the job for the things we can keep open. We do have some, like, that's a long-term commitment. People have made uh, payments to stay there seasonally all year round. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they're, they're still open. For right now, we are hoping there's a meeting today at 10 o'clock. For, it's a non-public meeting with the delegation, with the uh Gunstock Air Commission um, to discuss legal issues and employment issues. So... Well, I mean, it's it's such a shame because it is such a, a terrific uh, area and destination uh, here in the state of New Hampshire. So many people come from out of state uh, to go to Gunstock for their various activities. Of course, it's it's known prob- you know primarily as a, a ski resort, but uh, they certainly have a lot of activity there during the summer as well. I only live, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away yeah, from there, but yeah. I've camped there, yeah. as silly as that sounds. I drove the 15 minutes with my kids, and yeah. we spent a couple a couple summers, we spent uh, some nights there and just enjoying. They have a they have some uh, they have rope course, and they have the zip line, and they have the segway course. We needed a lot of things going on during the summer that they were doing there uh, when, when, with my kids, and so it was a nice weekend getaway, even though it was 15 minutes from my house. We up, set up the campsite and hang, hang out there, have a pool for the campers to go down and use during blistering hot summer days we've been having recently yeah so yeah big summer activity down there lots going on we have soul fest coming up in the next little while which is a few thousand people show up for that and the yeah. economic impact of that and they 
they're telling us it's going to still go on. So uh, okay. um, they're still going to have it at this point. Um, but that, that has, again, you know, when you bring a few thousand people into the area, that has a significant economic impact to our business. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it would uh, behoove uh, the uh, movers and shakers to uh, to work something out. And, uh, you know, because, as you said, it has such an impact on, on the property taxes uh, for those people that are living in that area. So, uh you know, it, it does impact a lot of people. I mean, businesses in the area and, and what have you. Every, you know, everybody in that area is certainly impacted uh, by the closure. Well, what else are you working on? I know there's a an occupational licensing uh, bill that uh, you have, you're involved with. Yeah, so uh, there we, we had a bill passed. Senator Gaida had a bill that he put through the legislature, got signed into law that established a new study committee on occupational licensing and certification. Um, and one of the things that goes on in there is that what we want to keep an eye on as legislators, how much we're charging people, right? First, if the license needed. So, mm-hmm. And then secondary, if it's needed, what we're charging people. Um, the standard rule we use is that any uh, fee we charge is mainly should be a net zero effect. We just want to cover our costs. We're not looking to make money on this. Mm-hmm. We just want to make sure yeah. the people that are regulating that industry are paid um, properly. And so... We don't want to charge people uh, idiotic amounts of money to uh, to be a license and to do work. Um, and, and the other aspect is where can we shift some of this? Um, you know, you look at some places, and I use massage therapists as a as an example. Is that's a has a national board that gives them a national certification. So why then in New Hampshire are we charging them again to do business? Mm. You know, I can understand that if you open a massage therapy business, you have to get a license. And part of that license requirement is that all your employees must be certified by a national board. Um, But why do you then have to take every individual massage license, a massage therapist, and make them go get their own license from New Hampshire? So it's one of the things I want to look at and see see what's going on. It's a good study committee to take a look at where we're stepping into these kind of small businesses, uh, licensures, whether, you know, it's a massage therapist, my example. Well, you hear that music. We have to uh, make way for a commercial break here on WKXL. Can you stick around for a few more minutes, Tim? Absolutely, Ken. All right. Tim Lang is with us. And uh, Tim is running for state senate uh, here in New Hampshire. And uh, we'll get back to Tim momentarily. Have to take a break on WKXL. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. Stand by for more terrific excitement. It is Kale and Company Live right here on WKXL. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in the Manchester area, and nhtalkradio.com. Tell a friend about WKXL and that we're live 8 to 9 every morning. And if you miss any of the 8 to 9 live program, we repeat it at uh, 7 o'clock at night. So, Tim, you, you can listen to this show uh, again, from right, uh, 7 right. to 8 tonight on uh, any one of the uh, WKXL uh, platforms. And uh, tomorrow, our guest in studio is going to be Dan Weed from uh, Weed Family Automotive in Concord, one of our great sponsors here on uh, WKXL. And uh, Dan would be happy to take your calls and uh, give you some automotive advice. 
Uh, we'll uh, tell you more about that uh, tomorrow as uh, Dan is with us. And uh, the Honorable Tim Lang is uh, running for state Senate. So why the decision, Tim, to uh, run for the Senate seat? You've been in the House now three terms. Uh, why the decision to uh, hopefully move on to the Senate. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for that. So again, part of this had to do with redistricting. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a redistricting plan come out and right. the sitting senator in District 2, Senator Bob Guida, got redistricted out of his own seat. Mm. He no longer lives in his own district. And so uh, as, as it's defined, it take effect. So Bob approached me and he was going to have to move if he wanted to keep running. Um, and he ultimately decided not to and, and approached me. One of the reasons he approached me and asked me to run for the uh, Senate was uh, for the last three terms. I've also served on the House Ways and Means Committee, um, which is, I, as I call it, the taxes, fees, gambling uh, <laughs> committee. Um, and so uh, Bob is the chairman of the Senate um, Ways and Means Committee. And that's a, um, interesting. You, know, you have to know where all the money comes from and how it, how it interplays with the state. Um, and so uh, when Bob was looking around saying, okay, if I'm not going to run, who would I like to have run and fill that slot? Um, and so he looked at my experience in Ways and Means for three terms and said, you know, Tim can come in and it's going to be a pretty big hole in the Senate this year. Um, yeah. There are eight senators that'll be new this year, which is more wow. than almost that ever before. Something. So, yeah. you know, there's a even in the House, there's a significant amount of uh, of institutional knowledge leaving the House. Mm. Um, and so uh, that's a, a little bit of concern. So, yeah. So Bob, Bob approached me and said, hey, would you run for the Senate? And I said, sure. You know, I, I had planned on running for my House seat again. Um, so uh, I decided I'd run for the Senate. But don't expect a big raise. No, uh. still, you know, I was hoping there, but apparently that still got that same hundred dollars a year, you yeah. know. So, but uh, so, how many in the field right now? So in in my district, there yeah. are which in the primary, there's three of us. Yeah. So uh, you know, and again, I have no ill will towards the guys I'm running against. They're both good, good, honorable men. Uh, there's Dave Devoy, who is a former county commissioner who I worked with on a delegation, uh, Belknap County, on a regular basis. And you know, Bob, Dave, and I used to go out and get a beer and a pizza after after the uh, delegation meetings down at Shooters in Belmont. So you know, we Dave's a great guy. He's a nice guy. We just have a different you know. Again, I, I look at my experience and my ability to uh, get things done in the legislature as uh, my reasoning for voting for me. And then the other gentleman is a gentleman by the name of John Plummer, former state representative. Again, great guy. I served with John in the House. Um, John and I co-sponsored some bills together, um, and some of them got through, some of them didn't. Um, and so, again, th these are not, you know, by, this is not where we're, we're going to bash each other over our, our uh, over you know each other. We, we probably agree on 95% of the basic principles right. of what we're running for. Yeah. It's just a difference of, you know, I consider myself an effective legislator. I've, my, I say I've been in the House for six years, but I say five because my first year I just shut up and listened because, you you know, i got to learn what's going on and how yeah, it works. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I, I do know that. Having served two years myself, I, I, I know that. And uh, it's very, very true. For sure. I, in fact, I felt a little in that first year, a little intimidated, you know, but uh, and there's a lot to learn. A, a lot to yeah, learn procedurally yeah. and just how it works and what goes on. So, again, I consider I had five active years in the legislation yeah. and I've passed. I've been prime sponsor of 10 bills that have made it through the legislature, including the one you referenced recently, the, the sports gaming bill. Most yeah. recently, the governor signed a unified sports bill that I did, that um, I put through. And yeah. Tell through. us about that. And uh, that uh, helps 
helps uh, youngsters with uh, disabilities. Absolutely. So again, the, the, we created a small fund, and, and I served on the school board for, for two terms. And I know that one of the um, problems with uh, starting new programs is the initial funding of those programs is that baseline getting. It's not you can pay for the salary for the teacher for seven hundred dollars stipend or whatever it is, but it's the five thousand dollars startup cost and mm. buying uniforms and buying medical yeah. gear and buying the equipment right. you need. And so we created a small fund that says if you're starting a new unified program, you can apply to this fund for your startup costs. You still got to pay your labor costs. We didn't want to do a bait and switch. We're going to pay for the first year and then not pay for anything more so we we the schools still have to uh pay for the labor costs but will buy the equipment costs there's a fund there that will allow so more schools can get over that initial hurdle of the entry barrier so to speak of uh, standing up a program to help if you don't know what unified sports is it's where uh, you have basically 50 percent special need kids and 50 percent neurotypical kids mm. um work together on a team and and if you've never been to one at a local school i i, I recommend everybody yeah. go. um as I said to the, in in, the, in a meeting, I, I said, you know, if our New Hampshire schools turn out good students, our New Hampshire Unified Sports programs turn out great human beings. Um, it is just a great way to to uh, engage and and be uh, understanding. Absolutely, and that just happened recently. The signing by uh, Governor Sununu. Last Friday, last up, Friday up in Laconia, yeah. we had Laconia was one of the first schools in the in the state to have a unified program, um, and I, I've got you know lots of people thanking me and calling me. There were their kids participated in the unified programs at Laconia and, and know how valuable those are and how much it meant. My daughter did it at Winnesquam. She participated in the unified soccer program mm-hmm. there, um, and it is you go watch those games and you go see the kids be you know just as excited uh, when when you know, the whole crowd doesn't matter what team scores the whole crowd goes crazy yeah. and, and, and yeah. it's incredible it's just so uh uplifting and heartwarming that and that uh, is a great terrific. program yeah a- absolutely and you're right if you haven't been to one of those events uh, by all means try to try to take it in when you when you can because it is it is something special i mean i i enjoy all uh, amateur sports but this is uh you know something that uh, as you say w- when either team scores uh you know whether it be soccer basketball w- whatever the sport may be uh everybody seems to be together you know? absolutely and that that is terrific and so glad that that uh, legislation passed uh, what else would you like to see uh, put into law so well, I, I have my perennial bill, which I keep getting a little bit closer every year. Yeah. I'll be putting in again, and it's a driver's education bill. Um, I'd like to see parents uh, be able to teach their own kids. The cost of driver's education has gone through the roof. Mm. Um, the average cost is over $700 now. Wow. And wow. and you have to wait. Uh, I was talking to a parent, uh, called me, and just trying to find out if my bill had passed. And I said, no, it hadn't. We'll have to do it again. And um, But she was saying she has an, on a four-month waiting list with her kid to be able to get into a class because there's just not enough driver's ed instructors. And so what I, you know, we have a gatekeeper in the state in that the state does a written exam to make sure you know the laws of the, the road. And then they do a practical exam to make sure that you know how to drive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, regardless of who taught you, the state's the gatekeeper and whether or not yeah. you can get a license. So if that's the case, then why do we really care who teaches the yeah. class, right? Why couldn't a parent be able to teach the class? And if they don't do well, 
state's not going to pass them. They can't pass the written. They can't pass the practical. So it makes logical sense to me. Helps pe- parents. Um, you know, there's some parents who just struggle. You know, this is a socioeconomic thing as well, right? Seven hundred bucks is a lot of money for some people. Yeah, especially and in these times. Yeah. So yeah. I, in one of the schools I talked to, they said they would actually create the classroom course. Right now, if if anybody was allowed to teach it, they would be able to go in and open up a, a, the book learning part of the course, the rules of the road stuff, right. and they would put a quarter a quarter credit class back into high school. But, yeah. you know, and the parents have to teach the driving side, but the school would teach the uh, the book side. Yeah. So, again, a lot of opportunity there to help everybody that, you know, in, in these economic times and, and um, give parents choice in how to teach their kids. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it only makes sense. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to make sense. You yeah. know. <laughs> so, Ken, I, I noticed you're yeah. wearing... Our legislative softball uh, uh, shirt wearing today. It How proudly. did that happen? Wearing it proudly. Yes, and uh, <laughs> I, I want to thank you and, uh, and Mike Moffat, uh, who wasn't at the game this year, by by the way, but uh, he had a, a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility in, in putting uh, putting it together. But uh, uh, so I had the opportunity to do the PA announcing this year for the uh, legislative softball game. <laughs> And I hope I wasn't the kiss of death for the Republican <laughs> side because you lost. Yeah, first time we lost. This is, I think, it was our fourth game. First time we lost, fifteen to thirteen. But we took it right to the last bat. We had uh, it was fifteen thirteen. I was standing on second base. We had someone standing on first base and a batter up. We could have could have done it. Nah, we popped out. So uh, right at the end there, it came down. But hey, you know, it was a good good game. Again, we look at it, it was a. Good bipartisan effort. Republicans and Democrats coming together to raise money for our charities. So, thirty-eight hundred bucks. It is, and we'll talk about that charity uh, after this break because it's it's a good one, and uh, you were able to raise uh, quite a bit of money uh, through the legislative uh, softball classic in Merrimack. <laughs> Tim Lang is with us, the Honorable Tim Lang, state representative, now running for state senate here in New Hampshire. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL. Glad you joined us today. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear it again at 7 o'clock tonight right here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and everywhere you go at nhtalkradio.com. Back with more right after these words. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL. And uh, we're heading down the home stretch. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Uh, the Honorable Tim Lang is here currently, a state representative and uh, running for state senate. Yeah, and uh, I don't believe there's any pay raise involved in that. Hey, you, you mentioned uh, shooters in, in Belmont uh, a few minutes ago that uh, you hung out there from time to that. That's a great spot. I love shooters. They have, they have Kino at Shooters. So they have they Kino in Belmont, yes. Yes, they do. They have Kino in Belmont, but they don't have it in Concord, folks. <laughs> they don't have it in Concord. It's about time. And and you, and you mentioned, for those who, who missed it earlier, uh, legislation has now been passed so that, uh, you know, Kino is now available at convenience stores and, and what have you in, in the towns. Uh, is it available now or when will it be? I believe they're still working through the yep. minor software yep. stuff. It should be ready. Uh, again, If it was effective, uh, if I remember, at the end of June, it was allowed um, working through the software. But again, that, that little bit was a it was an equity thing. We had mm. things where people could go into a bar and buy a Kino ticket yep. and then 
because you're a licensed lottery location, you are required to cash that ticket. So mm-hmm. you have to do all the work and you have no opportunity to make any revenue. You're just right. doing the work. And so the idea was to extend, if you bought a ticket, you could go to a store in that same town and pay it. And they have an opportunity also to sell you a ticket. So yeah. um, so again, it just was an equity thing um, and it worked out well. And, and the uh, outlets that uh, have, uh, Kino, what, get 8%? 8%, 8%. When, you sell. Yep. Yep. when you sell a Kino ticket, you get 8% of that. And that can quickly add up at some establishments. Uh. Well, like I said, that, 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 one little, uh, that one little bill change where we had moved into the retail is going to do it. They think it's a $6 million uptick in Kino sales. So 8% mm. of $6 million will be going to our small businesses. Yeah. Well, see, that is, that is terrific. And uh, so it'll be more convenient for people to, uh, you know, just drive by a convenience store or a gas station slash convenience store, whatever. And in those towns where it's legal uh, to play Kino. Not Concord. Uh, not Concord. <laughs> not Concord. Not Portsmouth either, right? Uh, Correct. I don't believe Portsmouth no, has to No, So uh, at, at any rate, someday, maybe someday, Tim, that uh, they'll wake up and see the light in those two communities. We, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, we talked about the legislative uh, softball game played this year uh, at Merrimack on the grounds of Anheuser-Busch. Uh, it was a, a hot day, but again, a, a very competitive game. But uh, the, the bottom line is uh, you uh, both sides raised money for uh, some great causes. Absolutely. We raised a little over, I think it was $3,900. So we went 1950 to each charity um, for each each party. We split it evenly. Um, again, in a true bipartisan fashion, um, we uh, we let each each. Um, party pick its own uh, charity and then we split the funds evenly we also exercise veto power over the other charities uh-huh. other parties charity just right. to play it safe we didn't want one people to pick one party to pick the say Planned Parenthood and the other one pick the NRA because nobody would raise money then right. right and so they'd all be afraid that half their money was going to go to a charity they didn't support so we agreed uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats that we the Republicans had veto power over the Democrats the Democrats had veto power over us uh, the Republicans stuck with our standard char- charity which is Liberty House it's a great little program in Manchester that um, helps homeless veterans move from being homeless to transition into being productive members of society. And um, we gave them $1,900 roughly um, this year out of the softball game. And and for the Democratic Party, they they chose uh, the Nashua House, I believe, in Nashua. It's a domestic violence shelter program, which Republicans are happy to raise money for. And uh, and they gave their charity $1,900. So great programs. Uh, good to have the legislature come together. We had a really good time republicans and democrats together um and uh and it was great for a great cause yeah oh absolutely so so uh we will keep people posted as to when the the next clash will be <laughs> be between the uh, the blue team and the red team right <laughs> and uh maybe the republicans can make a comeback in 2023 <laughs> in, in in and uh so how do you you know a lot of things going on we were coming up to the the midterm elections uh, you have your your own primary for for state senate but just on the on the on the national scene we have uh quite a battle for u.s senate and uh, a number quite a number of uh, republican candidates is any one of them strong enough to overtake the incumbent maggie hassan well, you know, I always when we talk about politics, I say wait till see what happens in November, and then I'll tell you yeah. what's going to happen with with the outcome. So I, I think we have some very good candidates in in the Republican uh, primary there, uh, whether it's Senator Morris or or, or uh, Don Bolduc, uh, and I always apologize, I'm going to 
butcher the guy's name from Lincoln Vikram. Um, uh, you know, some really good guy. Kevin Smith, another good good guy. Uh, so we have some really strong candidates over there in the U.S. Senate seat. Um, and I think it, it you know it's still going to come down to what happens in November, like everything else, right? If people are angry enough about what's going on and they want to change, they're going to show up to vote. And if they show up to vote, we'll have a ch- we'll have change. Yeah, uh, I I just wonder because as you know, uh, a lot of times it, it comes down to you know how much they have in their coffers uh, and uh, are able to advertise. And uh, I don't know, if, do any of the candidates have deep enough pockets to compete? With, you know, the the machine, the Democratic machine and, and Maggie Hassan. So, again, I, I go back to how angry people are going to be. Right. So if you're if you're really upset about what's going on in D.C., the you, you don't necessarily need the money for that. Right. That, that's because you're tapping into people's feelings and, and, and their need for change and the desire for change. And so uh, people will show up. You know, they don't show up because you spend a lot of money. They show up because they're upset about something and mm-hmm. they want to change or the, or they really love somebody. Like I, I prefer to vote for something I really like versus against something I don't like um and so again if they if they like the message and they like what's going uh going on or they like the message of a candidate they're going to vote for that candidate i hope and uh yeah i think that i think the republicans can do it i think that there's a there's a chance there um the biggest thing is uh come september 14th right the 13th is the primary date yeah and everyone will be voting and then the 14th we all have to come together and stand behind whoever our nominee is uh in that race and so Um, the good news is those guys have all committed to doing that. Um, so they'll step behind the uh, Republican nominee and, uh, you know, they'll have a spirited race all the way up until September 13th. And on September 14th, they'll come together and support the one candidate so we can make change in Washington, D.C., that, that quagmire that's down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of races, as you mentioned earlier in the show, well, you went to your first NASCAR race uh, last Sunday at uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. How did you like it? I Yes, I, I, I it was the first time i've ever been to a nascar event even though i've lived in a lakes region for over 20 years so um it was great i I have to be honest with you so i I completely get it now um you know going down to right there it it, you know i got to go through the pits and do all that kind of stuff and meet meet people but at the, when the race started, if you go right down to the fence line at the finish line oh, where they yeah. start off and yeah. and that pace car rolls off and the green flag comes out and the roar of those cars. I mean, that rumble goes right through your body. It is just it's an adrenaline really high. So, it is really uh, something. I get it. I get I, I don't know, you know, sitting out three and a half hours in the sun watching the cars take left <laughs> turns. I'm just not so sure, you know, but, you know, it was it was still fun. You know, we had a little pool we were in. I had the number one car, which came in like four. Um, but you know, a little pool, and so it made it a little exciting. A little bit of betting going, you know, it make, makes it exciting. And so, uh, when you have your car in the race and it was randomly drawn, um, it, it was a great time. I, I, I completely understand why people go to NASCAR now. It was a, it was a fun event. Um, so yeah, great time. And you know, there are a lot of people who who go, you know, and, and camp there for the entire week before the race. And some of them never wind up actually going to the race. They just they just <laughs> stay at their campsite, you know. And uh, you know, I, I walk. I was there at the race as well, and I, I was walking by uh, a number of the campers who had their their big TVs out there and and just you know watching the race as it was as it was going on and, and enjoying the uh, you know the shade of, of their their campers and what have you. Uh, definitely a social event. I mean, yeah. Oh, it, it is. It's, 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 it is. It, you know, same thing. I, I walked through the the tailgating area and. 
just people out there and they don't go in to see the game they get, or, or the race. They're just happy. I, I saw the same thing at, when I was down at uh, Gillette Stadium. Yeah. I was parked and there's a guy pulled up. He's got his big screen TV outside his camper and, yeah. you know, everyone's just hanging out and they're watching a football game in the stadiums, you know, right. uh, half a mile away, quarter mile away. Right. right yeah. Just having a good time, hanging out with friends. Um, again, I completely get it. It was it was a great time. And, and of course, they you know down to one race a year now in Loudon. It used to be two uh, Cup Series races for NASCAR. I, I certainly you know hope we don't lose uh, this race because I mean it is such a an economic engine. Pun intended uh, uh, for for the state of New Hampshire. I mean, in general. I mean, all I know all the uh, hotel rooms in in Manchester and even south of Manchester were booked uh, as a result uh, of the the big race, and it means so much to the economy of the state. Yeah, I'd estimate there was forty thousand plus people there. Yeah, um, easily. Yeah. Um, so again, you look at that many people coming to state for the weekend. Most people come in for the whole weekend, and um, yeah, that's such a huge economic engine for our state. And, and, and so many, you see so many out-of-state plates, as, as you said, people uh, uh, coming to New Hampshire and spending their money, some for, you know, a week or more, you know, and, and coming to the event. So, uh, you know, we have to do all we can. I, I wish someday down the road uh, that they do add lights because that would, uh, <laughs> that would add a, a different dimension. And they would have the ability to have a, a night race there, which would be tremendous uh, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. But thus far... Uh, you know, and, and the track has been around now since what 1990, I believe. Uh, that uh, they haven't been able to do that because of some uh, blowback from you know people in the vicinity that don't want the lights at the track. Yeah, some people, you know, don't want to have the nighttime race and listen to again. We were just talking about that roar of the engines, right? That yep. doesn't stay right there at the track. You know, that travels, and so there's some concerns about nighttime events and the and people in the surrounding areas with sound and noise. It's um, but I have to tell you, I, I met Marcus Smith, the owner, um, really nice guy, yep. uh, really great guy. He's committed to New Hampshire and committed to keeping the race here in New Hampshire. I don't, I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon, but great, great, great family, great track. Well, we have to go somewhere, Tim, uh, very soon because we have to uh, mosey on out of here <laughs> and uh, make way for some more great programming on WKXL. But the Honorable Tim Lang, I uh, appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Ken. Time Great flies time. when you're having fun, right? An hour. Just, <laughs> just, just like that. Tim Lang, thank you so much. Dan Weed, Weed Family Automotive, will be with us tomorrow here on WKXL. Kale and Company Live. Thanks to our producer, Kat, for her outstanding work as always. And we will see you tomorrow live right after 8 o'clock. Kale and Company Live on WKXL. Thanks for being with us.